0: Hey, everybody, we are here to tell you about a cool new feature on the website that we would love for you to check out.
1: Head to to HowToSplitAToaster.com and check out the bottom of the page. You'll find a box floating there that says, quote, Ask Seth and Pete, close quote.
0: This box is magical. You just type a question in there and the robots behind the scenes will search the actual audio of our entire library of past episodes and not only give you a short answer to your question, but point you to the specific episodes where we discussed your topic so you can listen yourself.
1: At this point, we're just testing it to know if this feature should be a permanent feature on the website. We need your help for that we need you to ask a lot of questions
0: so head to howtosplitatoaster.com and click the box ask Seth and Pete the robots will do the rest
1: on with the show
0: Welcome to How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationship from True Story FM. Today, Florida's reforming alimony. What does that mean for your toaster?
1: Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Seth Nelson. And as always, I'm here with my good friend, Pete Wright. Today, breaking alimony news, Pete.
0: I know we are breaking into our hot summer of fun here on the toaster with you not anywhere near the show until this breaking alimony news is important enough to bring you out of vacation.
1: Yeah, this is unbelievable. There has been alimony reform percolating in Florida for over 10 years. Similar alimony reform bills have gone to previous governors, even this governor who vetoed it last year a previous governor had vetoed it once or twice. And finally, there is alimony reform. Whether you like it or not, the reason I say finally is because it was going to keep going up every year, every year, every year. But the governor signed this law on June 30th, 2023. It became effective July 1st, 2023.
0: Can I, uh, can I, uh, question, uh, a high-level question, a high level question? That uh, I think sets up you and I have been talking about this alimony reform coming for a long time. We've been planning on like, what are we going to do? Are we how are we going to let people know? It's been months and we thought this was a dead issue until the next cycle here. He does it on the 30th Friday. Friday's the time you, you bury news, right? So what what's the story with this alimony reform? Are people happy with it or, or not happy with it? I mean, not, not even the legal community, but just generally.
1: No, it has been one of the hotly contested issues in Florida legislature and with the governor for years because it impacts so many people. And like all things that impact so many people, there's two sides to every story. And most of our laws can be improved. There's some positive things here. There's some negative things here, depending on what side of the equation you are on. Are you paying or are you receiving? Okay. There's certainly things that are better and to prevent litigation that should make it easier, hopefully, to save attorney's fees and costs. There's also things that some people are going to find really upsetting and bad. So we'll talk through it. But the reason they did it on a Friday wasn't to bury the news, I don't believe. It's because the effective date was the next day. And he was still making that decision. Okay. Right up till the end.
0: Okay. All right. So uh, where do you want to start in walking through this? It's it's not an easy piece of legislation. Uh, it seems like there are a lot of, of pieces that have been impacted. Uh, where do you want to start with it?
1: So I'm going to start with briefly what there was and what is no longer. Okay. In Florida, and this only relates to Florida, but in Florida, there were different types of alimony on June 30th, 2023, not on July 1st, 2023. The old law, there was bridge the gap alimony. That's still there. That is for two years. Very short term marriage, just get somebody transitioning from married life to single life. Think of down payment on a house potentially or first and last month's rent moving expenses pretty like tight two years the amount cannot change the length cannot change that's it you're done then there's durational alimony that's the old law still in the new law durational alimony in the old law was is there a need does someone have the ability to pay stay-at-home mom Married for 10 years. The most alimony she could get was based on need and ability to pay, which, as we've discussed before, you do a full standard of living analysis. Then you impute income or she gets a job. That means she has less money that she needs from her former spouse because she's working. And the most and length of time on a 10 year marriage you could get was 10 years. That has changed. There was also rehabilitative alimony rehabilitative alimony you want to go back to school you want to get an education you want to get a certificate so you can get a better job that's still here little nuanced modifications then there was permanent alimony and we discussed it before this is why people hate lawyers we use the word permanent alimony it doesn't really mean permanent it means until either party dies until someone is in a supportive relationship they're sharing a bank account with someone they're living with someone else they're commingling their assets. They're spending money on each other's children. There's all these factors to prove a supportive relationship. If someone loses their employment. There's a modification. You can't pay the alimony. You can't afford it anymore. So it's permanent unless. Exactly. Or if you retire. But you had to actually retire. And then when you retired, we talked about before, you get the pleasure of going back to court to say, I can't pay my alimony anymore. I'm 72 years old. I'm still under this alimony obligation. I just retired. I can't afford it anymore. I'm living off my retirement, not off my huge income I had before. But you have to go to court and argue about it. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Permanent alimony in Florida no longer exists. If you have a case pending as of July 1st, 2023 or a case after July 1st, 2023, it is gone. It is no longer the law of Florida. Permanent is done. That
0: seems huge. That seems like the, the big deal.
1: Huge. That's the big headline. Permanent alimony no longer in Florida.
0: For cases that have already been, like if you're currently paying permanent alimony because your case was settled and closed five years ago, it's still in effect. Is that correct?
1: You're still under that court order. And we're going to get to this. Okay. Because you're talking about modifications and how does it get modified? So if you're now retired, and you're under permanent alimony and you bring a suit, I think this new law applies. And that's going to get bought out in the found out in the courts and by appeals. So there's going to be, like with all laws, you go to the trial court, they're going to do their best to interpret the law. Somebody's going to be unhappy with that decision, they're going to appeal it. The appellate court's going to define it more clearly. And that's going to happen all over the state in the six different Appellate court jurisdictions, district court of appeals, they're called. They're not going to agree. I'm telling you now, Pete. They're not going to agree. And then it's going to go to the Florida Supreme Court to define it some more. Takes years.
0: Year. That's what. I, that was my next question. How long do you think that takes? Uh, because I imagine suits have been brought probably already, for sure.
1: Oh, I've got cases pending right now that I'm going to apply this law to. I've got some that we're trying to set for trial that this law is going to apply to. I got others that this law is going to apply to.
0: Any other considerations into this alimony uh, alimony discussion?
1: Yes, we're about to get into them. Going to get into the nitty-gritty, so stick with me on this because this is what people are going to want to know. Okay? Now what I'm going to focus on is not a modification. I'm focused on in a proceeding for a dissolution of marriage. You're getting divorced. What is the alimony law? Here it is. Okay? One you have to define the length of your marriage because the length of the marriage will impact the potential length of your alimony.
0: This is if you're only married a couple of years, you're probably going to get a lot less than
1: if you've been married for 40 years. Oh, it get that's true. In length of time, not necessary money. Okay? We're just talking time. Okay. Short-term marriage is anything less than 10 years. That's a change. It used to be seven years. Now it's 10 years as a short-term marriage. Okay? Okay. A moderate term is a marriage between 10 years and 20 years. Okay. That is a change. It used to be up until 17 years. Now it's 20. Okay. Anything greater than 20 years is a long-term marriage.
0: Does it matter how they went into defining what short, medium, and long term is?
1: Yes. From the date of marriage to the date you file for divorce. Okay. So, what happens is people would rush to the courthouse and people will still rush to the courthouse when they're at nine years, six months, 11 months. They're going to rush to the courthouse and file before they hit this 10 year mark. Okay. Okay. So, It's a rebuttable presumption. Basically, it says, look, if you're nine years, 364 days, maybe I can go to court and say, Judge, that's 10 years.
2: Yeah. Close enough,
1: right? Okay. But what does that do for you? Why do we care? We care because that helps define the amount of time that you can potentially receive alimony. First off, on a short-term marriage, remember, 10 years or less may not exceed 50% of the length of the short-term marriage. You're married for five years. The most you're getting is two and a half years.
0: And then it's just off, cold turkey. Done. That seems big too. Wow.
1: Okay. Yeah. If it is a moderate-term marriage, 10 to 20 years, 60% the length of the marriage. Okay. Okay. So you see why there's a difference Between nine years and 11 years. Yeah, for sure. Okay, it's another 10% of time. Yeah. And then, if you're in a long-term marriage, I'm going to be very particular with my words, Pete, because it's actually, the long-term marriage is exactly 20 years or longer, 75% the length of the marriage. So the longer you're married in these brackets, it increases from 50 to 60 to 75.
0: So you're married 40 years, you have a long chapter of your life with somebody, you divorce, the alimony can go up to 30 years.
1: 75%. Okay. And then it stops. Okay. Now, here's the thing that we really need to understand. How much? We just talked about length of time of marriage, talks about how long you can receive. So first off, that's going to save a lot of time and money about arguing. Because it's defined, right? Yeah. So now, how much? This is a huge fight in alimony cases. What are her, I'm going to just say, stay at home mom, for ease of sake in this conversation. What are her true needs? Is she living beyond her needs? What's going on? Does she really need to have all the fanciness and luxuries of this great lifestyle? But, you know, we're going to have two houses now, same incomes, people's lifestyles have to drop. You can still do the need analysis, but here's the kicker. You are going to potentially receive what your need is, or 35% of the difference in you and your spouse's net income, whichever is less. So I'm going to say that again and we're going to do math. Okay. Oh, my goodness. I, I love know. Math so it's much. brutal. <laughs> Here's the deal let's say for easy math husband's making $10,000 net a month. $120,000 he brings in to his bank account after taxes are paid. Other deductions that are allowed. $120,000. Okay. And let's say we all agree that the wife can earn $40,000 take home. Okay. Okay. One hundred and twenty dollars minus 40,000, 80,000, right?
0: So that's the difference.
1: But you can only get up to 35% of the difference. So times 0.35, the most that wife can get is $28,000 a year, which divided by 12 is $2,333 a month. Okay. So ultimately, in that case, she can get 28 grand. She started with 40, 28, she has 68,000. He had 120, minus the 28 he pays her, he has 92,000. That's the most.
0: Can you, I mean, it just high-level contrast, it, it feels like the wealthier party, the, the alimony-paying party, benefits in this under this new alimony calculation.
1: A lot of people are reading it that way.
0: Should I not be reading it that way?
1: No, you can certainly read it that way because what it does is it gives this cap and it lowers the length of the duration because duration used to be the full length of the marriage. Now it's half the length or 60%. In in long-term marriages, it used to be permanent. Now it's 75%. So these are a lot of benefits for the payors, the people that are making that alimony payment. Okay. Okay. So here's a little nugget. You want to avoid having a forensic accountant figure out need and ability to pay, go through all of your expenses and talk about credit card statements for a year, bank account statements for a year, looking at what you spent on cash, going through the grocery bill, how much is for the kids, how much is for me, how much is for her, all that analysis that we've done for year after year after year in cases. If you're going to be the payor, you can say, I don't want to do that analysis. I'm going to pay you the difference of 35% of our net incomes because that's the most you're going to get in court. And I'll settle that today.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: Big savings. Huge. Think of all the attorney's fees and all the litigation expenses you just paid. Now, I'm a divorce lawyer, Pete. What am I going to say um, if I'm on the other side of that offer? I'm going to tell my client to take it. I don't have an argument. Right. Right? So here's what I do if I represent the payor. I'll pay you 32%. Do you want to spend all the money to go try to get three more percent? Because if you roll the dice... And we do the analysis. And it turns out that you only need 30%, not 32 or 35. You just lost.
0: So there's still some gamesmanship to go on. Come on, Pete. We're divorce attorneys. You you found a way. (laughs) You found a way. way. I
1: already found a way. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But the person might say, yeah, I'm willing to spend all that money and let's go through all your bills. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Those are the big changes. So that is going to be a huge huge change in florida family law. okay.
0: uh i was uh, one of the things i was asking uh were the extenuating sort of case circumstances that that go into or have gone into determining alimony um do you consider things like the the circumstances of the divorce, adulterous relationships, anything like that weigh into it? do we know?
1: they can do all that, but really what you're looking at is who got what in the divorce, and does that spin off income too? There's still all those factors that you look at when you're talking about the age and mental emotional condition of the parties, okay? They also, legislature did some good stuff, including whether either party is physically or mentally disabled, right, where they can't really work necessarily, okay, How much income, like I said, is being generated from non-marital or marital property? If you're wealthy enough that you have three investment incomes in in investment properties that you get income off of, and you get all those three properties, well, that income you get is income. So it counts, right? The earning capacity of the person. Special consideration if you are raising a minor, minor child that has special needs, mental or physical disabilities.
0: That's not included in child support calculation?
1: No, it can be if there's special, like, extra money that has to be paid for care. But this is saying, we can't hire a full-time nanny, or I have to homeschool because. So that is a consideration, okay? Any other factor to do equity and justice between the parties? It's always the catch-all.
0: Yeah, right, that's everything else.
1: So, But the court, the trial court, when they're making these findings, has to write down all these factors and all these findings to implement this stuff. There's a lot in here that's giving the judges a lot of work to do when they're making these determinations. And I shouldn't say most, a lot of cases when they go up on appeal, there's only one question on appeal. Did the trial judge make a mistake? A lot of them get reversed and remanded, sent back down to the trial judge saying, you didn't make the written findings. You didn't make the written findings. So as trial lawyers in divorce court, what we need to do is when we say to the judge, here's what we think your ruling should be, we need to put in those factors, because that's not a reason to get overturned and turned back. You're just wasting your client's money.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, mostly because we've been talking about this for so long, Seth, the, the Florida Senate, Filed the bill in March, uh, approved or, or uh, passed on in April, late April. We've been talking about this for a long, long time. What were the? Do you have a sense of what the the complicating factors were that that led to the bill that the governor signed? Like how how different is the bill that passed the Senate Senate to the one that the governor signed on the thirtieth of June?
1: I'm going to rephrase that question a little bit. Why did it get signed this year and not previous years? Okay. Okay. One reason is there's the Florida family law section of um, the Florida bar. They were opposed to this bill for many, many years. Each year, the group of mainly payors that were looking for alimony reform were bringing bills. And the Florida family law section of the bar would always oppose it. They were getting their bill through. Senate, they were getting the bill through that Florida House, and it was going to the governor and the governor's phone and email and letters would just be overboard. Okay, Like I said before, two, pre- two governors have already vetoed it, one more than once. This year, those two organizations came together and said we agree on this bill.
0: So the bar has actually for the first time agreed that this is a passable
1: law. They did. Now, I'm going to put on my political hat here. Let's do it. Florida governor is running for president of the United States. Yep. I would be shocked if that organization, his presidential campaign, did not poll this, do research on it do focus groups on it, how it's going to play both ways, because it's a political decision, okay? There's always that inside baseball, inside politics, who brought the bill is the senator that brought the bill supporting me if I'm the governor running for president or supporting another candidate. There were some issues with that going on. So put all that aside. Ultimately, people that are running for president and they're about to sign a bill like this I would be shocked if they didn't poll test it and go forward on it.
0: Yeah, I I feel like if I put on those the the cynical glasses, like climbing the ladder of cynicism it only goes down. Like they Right. Exactly. Like, one way. I feel like we have to just we have to say all that stuff, get it out loud. There's there Udos there, might be a significant donor question, might be Unos. What are the what the reasons are that got it signed this year? But the the fact is that's that's where we landed. And so if we're silver lining it a little bit, I you know, from where I sit, reducing the amount of complexity in the alimony calculation can only be a good thing, right? For like if if that's what we're looking for, we've reduced complexity for payors and payees, that has to be a, a net positive, even if it's financially potentially a net negative.
1: For the recipient. A hundred percent. Yeah. I have initial consultations almost every single day I come to work. And my question at the front end is, how can I serve you? What are your goals for this conversation? A lot of clients don't know that. The answer to that question. So I will tell them, here's what I think your one is. Tell me if I'm right. You want information. My personal goal at the end of this is you'll say to whoever you're going to call your support system, I had a good conversation with Seth Nelson. I did not like everything he said because Florida law sucks. Yes. But I understand it a little more now, and I know what I'm facing. So if I'm sitting here having a beer with you, looking over a lake, that would be amazing. And we would say, here's what's all wrong with this law. Yeah. But in my world, this is my world. I am in this legal system. I have this law. Here's the things I think are potentially good. Old law, there's no savings component the recipient of money in alimony wasn't allowed to put money away.
0: Oh, now you can? That's a change?
1: If this, well, the way I'm going to argue it, judge, they're paying 35%. Who cares what she does with the money? They
0: could do whatever they want with the money.
1: Exactly. Okay. Okay, so that could be a potential savings or something good. Yes, it's less time. The recipient, there's no way to spin that other than it's bad. Yeah, for sure. Right? But for the payor, it at least defines it. And for the recipient, it defines it. Because now we're not going to go to court arguing over, I want seven years, judge. I want to only pay three. I want 10, right? No one walks into court and says, the max I can get is 10. Just give me three, judge. (laughs) Right. 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 So, and I always thought that was an arbitrary number that the judge picked. Three, five, seven. So now it helps to find. So the more clear the law is, the less there is to argue about, the less fees and cost.
0: Yes, for sure. So uh, that that has got to be on some tabulation a win. This is a thing uh, that that you know, is obviously a strong check your local jurisdiction uh, conversation. Right. Because we're talking about Florida family law. But do you have any sense of how this new Florida law parallels other states? Is this a trend sweeping the nation?
1: Yeah. Florida was behind. OK. <laughs> Not okay. surprising. I can say that I live in Florida. Yeah, right. That's like when you make any ethnic joke, you can say it's okay because I'm that ethnicity. Yeah, right. right, right. So, okay, we got to talk about something else before we go, though. I know I'm throwing a lot at you. Yeah. What happens if you're going to modify this?
0: Oh, yeah. You mentioned that earlier. It's not the same?
1: No. So, first off, before old law, you had to actually retire and then file. Now, you are allowed to file six months before retirement. Okay. Because now you can know, okay? Yeah. Now, you actually have to retire. One of the factors is, are you going to go back to work, right? You don't get to say, I'm retiring. You retire for three months. You terminate your alimony. They hire you back, right? Also, if you're modifying because someone's in a substantial uh, supportive relationship, you're living to someone, the old law, they had to be in the supportive relationship. I literally would have people that we would file for a substantial change in circumstance. They're living together. By the time I got to trial, they broke up. Right? Yeah. And I will tell you, for years, in my marital settlement agreement, I put in a little nugget that said alimony will terminate upon the recipient entering into a supportive relationship. It didn't say that they had to be in one, if they entered into it, it's done. It's all or nothing. So they couldn't play that game of we broke up. Okay. 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 If I represented the recipient, I want to put that. I would say, no, you can modify it according to Florida law. But that was in a lot of my agreements. And it had worked in more than one case. I don't have to do that anymore because this says that if there a supportive relationship exists, or has existed in the 365 days before the filing of the petition. So when you file, if you look back a year, if they were in a supportive relationship in that year, it can be modified or terminated. Wow. Because you can't play the game anymore.
0: Yeah. There's no more racing to, uh, racing to court.
1: Right, or to break up or whatever the case may be. Okay. Also... This is really big because we talked about when you get to retire, you can file it before. And there is a provision in here that when you go to retire and you want to lower your alimony or terminate your alimony, the court's allowed to look at all of the assets that you received during the marriage, right? From the final judgment, you got divorced you get half the assets.
0: Yeah, you split the house, you get the piano,
1: whatever, yeah. And the role in the wasteful depletion of the assets you received.
0: Wasteful depletion.
1: Yep. So, you have some people who are not good with their money. They receive a million dollars, hypothetically, in a retirement account because their spouse controlled the money and gave them kind of an allowance during the marriage because the husband, in this case... Did not handle money well. The wife was making all the money. So put him on an allowance. They get divorced. She gets a million dollars in retirement. He gets a million dollars in retirement. He puts it all in speculative crypto. Or just pulls it out and spends it on stuff he's not supposed to spend it on. Because he was receiving alimony and the alimony was supposed to meet his need. He depletes a million dollars. Cashes it out early. Pays taxes and penalties lives beyond his means and now she goes to retire and he goes i don't have any money how am i going to support myself i'm working at a drugstore
0: she doesn't have the liability or the responsibility
1: to right so this this makes people manage their money and if not fascinating you are not going to be looking to your former spouse to keep paying when you had a million dollars in retirement and you wasted it okay So there's little things like that that aren't so little if you're the guy or girl or woman or man on the other side of that case.
0: Okay. Did that cover it? Do we feel like we've we've done the hot news justice?
1: We've done the hot news on alimony. Yeah. We might have another one when it comes to parenting plans because there's been changes there too.
0: Oh dear. Okay. Well, rack that up for season eight. It's it's coming around the corner. Seth, I'm glad we got you out of uh, out of your vacation to uh, read
1: the news. I feel like I'm. I should be like on CNN now.
0: Yeah, you really should. <laughs> you should. You've done you've done the yeoman's work uh, preparing for this one. Thank you so much. Thank you everybody for hanging out with us and in, in this interruption in our summer of fun. Uh, the episodes continue after this one that are more summary and fun than ever. So uh, thank you, everybody, on behalf of Seth Nelson, America's favorite divorce attorney. I'm Pete Wright. We'll see you right here next time on How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships. Seth Nelson is an attorney with NLG Divorce and Family Law with offices in Tampa, Florida. While we may be discussing family law topics, How to Split a Toaster is not intended to, nor is it providing legal advice. Every situation is different. If you have specific questions regarding your situation, please seek your own legal counsel with an attorney licensed to practice law in your jurisdiction. Pete Wright is not an attorney or employee of NLG Divorce and Family Law. Seth Nelson is licensed to practice law in Florida. Seth, according to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, about 10% of children live with a parent with an alcohol use disorder. It's just tragic.
1: Pete, we hear this statistic all the time. At the end of the day, the courts don't care about the statistic. The courts care about keeping kids safe. And when I mean safe, I mean safe from a party who truly suffers from an alcohol disorder or is being wrongly accused of having alcoholism or some other alcohol disorder. It's easy and it saves you money. Instead of he said, she said, there's Soberlink.
0: Soberlink is fantastic, and they are a fantastic partner to this show. So, what is Soberlink? Soberlink is a device. It's like a breathalyzer, but it is more. You blow into Soberlink whenever you want to prove in real time that you are safe to be with your kids at carpool, at drop off, at handoff, whenever you're going to be driving. You blow into Soberlink. It uses facial recognition to prove that you are the one blowing at the time that you are taking the reading. It sends it off to the people who need to know. People involved directly in your case, not to be used for publication, not to be used for social media. This just goes to the people who matter most for your case as you are collecting data. Soberlink Remote Alcohol Monitoring has helped over 500,000 people prove their sobriety and provide peace of mind during parenting time. And Seth, a word on the street is courts love it.
1: Yeah. And it's not just when you're getting in a car. Let's be clear. People can say, never gotten a DUI. What's the issue? Well, the issue is once you're home at five o'clock and you're no longer driving, but you're going to start cooking and having a glass of wine and that glass of wine turns into two bottles, that's now an issue. So it's not just getting in the car. It's when you, the children are in your care, custody and control, are you focused on them and not using alcohol? Independent, third party, real time verification to support your case. I haven't been drinking. Here's the proof.
0: Those are the words that lawyers and courts love. But here are the words you're going to love. You can save 50 bucks off your device and get started right away at Soberlink.com slash toaster. That's Soberlink.com slash toaster. Thank you to Soberlink for sponsoring this show.